Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, it's probably Thursday by the time you hear this podcast. Is Tom Brady still retired? <laughs> I'm not really sure. He's back with the Bucks, um, right? Well, if he unretires, he may well be. And I know, I know we did a whole podcast of NFL conspiratorial podcast theories about Tom Brady and, and what his retirement, never say never, unretirement might be or where it might be. And we delve deeply into, you know, everything from Aaron Rodgers to Kyler Murray canceling all his mentions of the Cardinals on his social media. But I hate to say it, I did some I've done some actual reporting. <laughs> what? And uh yeah, I know. It's rare these days. And I usually get in trouble when I do it. Let's be honest. <laughs> Sometimes when I write stuff, people don't like what I write and I hear from them. Cuz Buck's Twitter is a dangerous place. Nonetheless, I have gone where no man has ventured to go of yet to try and actually determine what would happen? What would happen, or what's going to happen with Tom Brady with respect to the fact that he's not on any list right now? He's still on the Bucks roster. Tom Brady is still on the Bucks roster, almost like they're holding out hope that maybe he changes his mind quickly. Why is he on the roster? If he does unretire, where would he go? What are the Bucks going to? Cl- how are they going to classify him? In other words, what list does he go on? Do they release him? All of that matters, and I've got some answers. And I think they're 100% correct, even though this is not a mailback question. But if it was, I'm going to tell you what it means about Tom Brady's never-say-never to un to unretirement statement that he made on Jim Gray's podcast a little more than a week ago. Uh, we'll get into all that. But first, the 18th Annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg presented by RP Funding. It's happening this February 25th through the 27th. If my calendar is correct, that's just a few days away, actually. Um, about two weeks or so. Mm-hmm. The temporary circuit, it's that beautiful 1.8-mile, 14-turn configuration. And, of course, it goes through the downtown streets of St. Petersburg. It circles Pioneer Park, the Duke Energy Center for the Arts, the Dally Museum, and it extends all the way onto the runways at Albert Whitted Airport. For information on uh, the race and tickets, check out this website, gpstpete.com. That's gpstpete.com. All right, so we heard Brady kind of leave the door open, crack the door open, maybe maybe put a, a little door stopper in there, if you will, about whether or not he's truly retired. And he said, you know, he's not looking to reverse his course. He says, I'm definitely not not doing that. I'm not looking to do that. But, you know, when asked, is there a scenario where he might find himself next season sometime or maybe before that itching to play and just decides, oh, the hell with it. I want to come back and I want to play. And he just said, you know, well, you never say never. But he says, I don't know how I'm going to feel six months from now. It could change. It most likely won't. 
I try to make the best possible decision I can in the moment, which is what they did last week. Um, and then again, he said he's not looking to reverse class, uh, reverse course. But, but what happens, right? What are the chances of that? And it's the old, well, you're saying there's a chance. And yes, there's a chance. I've heard people put percentages on it. And that's a dangerous thing to do. I've heard everything from, you know, 2% to 50%, which is he either does or he doesn't, if you want to live in that neighborhood. I don't want to do that. I don't want to say whether I think Brady is going to come back or not because I don't know. And I don't think he knows. I I think he believes he's done. I I, I don't think you go through this process, um, you know, put out an enormous statement the way he did, have Adam Schefter announce it way before you were ready to, then go on Jim Gray and say, yeah, not quite ready. And then a few hours later, okay, now I'm ready. Here's the statements. Unless you've given it plenty of thought. And, and I don't mean for just since the season ended. I mean, this would have been something he'd have been thinking about before the season began. Sim- same way he did in New England when they asked him, when did you think your career was done here? And he goes, oh, when I started the final year and I didn't have a contract. I knew this was going to be it. So, you know, the ever-calculating Tom Brady with all his business acumen and interests, he knows what his steps are going to be before he makes them. However, the Bucks have some things they have to do with respect to Brady because of salary cap um, and, and just their plans at quarterback, right? And the first thing is they have to take him at his word. And his word is that he's retired, right? They they can't go into the offseason on a hope and a prayer, even if even if it's a one percent chance, that cannot override in their hearts and minds what's best for their football team this year. They cannot pretend that he's gonna come riding in on a white horse again, you know, uh at the end of training camp or the preseason or maybe even into the season and say, you know, I'm better than all these guys. I want to play after all. So they have to they have to look behind door number two, and they're not expecting to see Brady there, okay? That would be more like door number, you know, 102. So that's one thing, and and, and that's significant because they're going to expend a lot of energy, time, you know, research, film work, trying to find the best quarterback for the Bucks for 2023, not named Brady because Brady has told them he's done. So, you know, you need to believe that. So that's number one. Okay. So they have to proceed as if he's retired. Um, number two is they got to decide what list he goes on and when, when to put him on it. The fact is, as I mentioned, he's still on the Bucks roster. That's not because they're trying to, you know, keep hope alive, as they say. It's because there's salary cap ramifications based on when you move a player uh, to a retired list or you release a player that has money, dead money, left on your salary cap. So here's how it works. You know, they, they extended his contract an extra year after winning the Super Bowl. Essentially signed him to another two-year deal for $50 million. And they pushed a lot of that money back and lowered his salary cap value last year so that they could re-sign 
all those free agents. And they got the 22 starters back and all of that. Well, they've got a bunch of guys that are free agents this year that they'd like to retain as well. And so what they will do is, if they make a move on the roster with Tom after June 1st, okay, then he's got $32 million of dead money. That's money that's on the books that, obviously, without the player there, it still is going to count against the Bucks salary cap. So in order to lessen that blow, at least for 2023, if they wait till after June 1st, then only $8 million of that $32 million will show up this year in 2022, which, which leaves them a, you know, a good bit of relief because right now you know, he would figure to be $32 million on their cap. So you lower that by $24 million, you push that forward to 2023. And so that's what they're going to do. They're going to wait until June, after June 1st um, to make a move with him on the roster. And again, that there's no illusion that by June 1st they haven't asked him for a, a you know a final final decision. They're going on the assumption that he is retired, and that's his plans. Now, what kind of list? What do they do with him? Right? He's not going to play, okay? So they could just release him, and they could release him if Brady went to them and said, "Look, I don't think I'm going to play, but if I do." My my mind or my heart or my whatever, you know, Tony Bennett was, is in San Francisco. That's where he left his heart. For those of you who don't know Tony Bennett, look it up. Um, and and uh, anyone over the age of, I don't know, 40 should know. And, 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 and I don't think that that would happen either. But but here's here's what, in fact, they are going to do. Now, this is, you know, from from my lips to God's ear. What the Bucks are going to do is put him on the reserved slash retired list after June 1st. Now, what that does is that protects their rights to him, okay? If, for example, Tom Brady or some other team came to them and said, I know he wants to play, and what would you require for us to get Tom Brady on our team since he wants to come back and play, but maybe not for you? And then the Bucks would be able to retain his rights, similar to where to the way that Rob Gronkowski retired with the New England Patriots, and the Patriots, you know, put him on the reserve retire list, and they retained his rights. And when the Bucks wanted to add Gronk because that's who Brady wanted to come out of retirement, they actually had to trade then for Gronk from New England. I think the way they did it, it was basically a ham sandwich. Um, I think the Bucks. Gave them a six, and I think the Patriots gave them a seventh round pick back. So it was really a token at best, you know, sort of acquisition, if you will, or compensation. But they still had to do it because he was still, in fact, part of the property of of the New England Patriots. Well, in this instance, Tom Brady, come after June 1st, is going to be on the reserve retire list for the Bucs, meaning... If any team had any notion that they wanted him with them, they would have to go through the Bucks, and they'd have to work out a trade and a compensation and all that. Um, now, that's not, by the way, that's not necessarily why they're doing it. I mean, they're doing it because he is their quarterback. Um, and they do want him to play here if he plays anywhere. 
Um, it's more of a salary cap move, but it does protect the rights to him. But if you dig deeper, if you dig a little bit deeper, and you say, okay, so Tom's left the door open. And we this goes back to our conspiracy podcast the other night. Maybe he already, maybe he's doing all this so he can come back. Maybe, you know, maybe this is a Favre-like move. Like maybe he wants to pick his own team and it's not going to be the Bucks, and he's going to kind of slow play this a little bit and then boom, right before training camp, um, he's going to sort of force a trade to another team and I've sort of, Muse that it might be the San Francisco 49ers, the boyhood team, the one he grew up with, the one he watched Joe Montana and Steve Young be part of that great, great, you know, hierarchy of 49er quarterbacks. And if that was his intent, um, like I've said on this podcast before, at the end of the day, like if he went to them and really, really wanted to do that, I don't believe the Glazers would hold him up. I could be dead wrong about that, but I don't think I am. And the example I've used, is, I think, is still a good one. Because the word I think the Glazers would use when you say something to Tom Brady or about Tom Brady, there's probably a lot of words they would use, but goat would be one of them. But, but the one that they would probably use would be grateful. They're very grateful to Tom Brady. They're grateful that he chose them out of the 30 other teams, that you know, 31 other teams he could have selected after he left the Patriots. They're grateful that he changed the culture of the franchise First, by the work ethic and just the ability to win games. Just forget about what championships. Just the ability to win games, find ways to win games, not beat yourself. Uh, win games early, stay in the race. You know, even that first year at seven and five, they were still in it um, while you're getting better. And then, of course, the ultimate is the guy brought him a Lombardi trophy. How grateful are you for that? Not only that, he won 29 games in two years. That Nothing has approximated that many wins. You know, he set a franchise record for wins in a regular season. Um, made history with the Super Bowl in the home stadium. I mean, all of that was just, you know, kind of monumental, really, when you think about it. And so would the Bucks then say to Tom Brady, no, you haven't done enough. No, we're not going to grant you your release so that you can fulfill a dream at another state at another team, suddenly you're the you know you're like you're a little like the mistress who was cheated on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, wait a minute, how did you meet me? Um, but I, I would think that at that point, and and my evidence of this, and I I haven't talked to the Glazers, but my evidence of this is history. Okay, because I've been around a while, and I'm a bit of a historian of the of this franchise. And all I remember is that back in 2003, now this is the next year after they had won a Super Bowl in the 2002 season, just really months later, because the game was in January at that time for the Super Bowl of 03, the Bucks, you know, got off to a horrific start. And John Gruden and Rich McKay just weren't, they just weren't getting along, man. And Rich knew it. He knew it when he won the Super Bowl that John had the power. John wanted his own GM. So Rich got an opportunity from the Atlanta Falcons, a division rival, you know, a team, a team in the NFC South that was very good at the time. And he went to the Glazers and said, hey, I have an opportunity to be the GM of the Atlanta Falcons. Now, 
most organizations would say, oh, yeah, that's nice, and close the door because they're not going to let him out of his contract to go to a division rival, right? Much less during the season. Much less two weeks later, they were playing the Atlanta Falcons in Raymond James Stadium. So who does this, right? Who allows a top executive to go to a rival team right before you play them at the end of a season? There's only three games left. The Glazers did. And they did it because they were grateful. They were grateful to Rich McKay, one, because he sat on the the trustees, the board of trustees for the Hugh Cover House estate that brokered the sale and picked which ownership group they wanted to sell the team to. Um, and it was the Glazers. So grateful for that. And then Rich went from working for the sellers to working for the buyers when they named Rich general manager. And they were grateful for Rich McKay getting Raymond James Stadium built because he knew the political players. He knew the environment. He knew how to get that onto a referendum that was also attached to money for police and, and, and buyers and school, firemen and school and all that. And they got the referendum passed and they built the stadium. So they were grateful. They would be very grateful to Tom Brady. And I don't think they would stand in his way. But what I've been convinced of, and this just happened really recently, is that Tom was incredibly happy here. Like, beyond anything he could have hoped for, obviously. You know, loves the area, loves living in Florida, loves the warm weather. It's on the East Coast. All the reasons he picked my uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers it still exist today. And he had a great, great experience with the coaching staff in particular, with his teammates for sure. Um, and those guys worked really, really hard, and they all won together. And so there's nothing but love uh, in that locker room and, and from Brady to his teammates to his coaches and especially to the front office with Jason. Um, so I, I don't, I don't sense any reason for him not to want to be a Buccaneer, uh, if he was going to play. And I also know this, that if he did decide to play, you know, you go somewhere else, man, I don't care who it is, Mike, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco, whatever, you're still learning a new playbook, man. You're still, you know. There's terminology, there's ways of doing things. Then all your teammates you don't know, okay? They may have a great football team. You don't know them. Does he want to go through step one again, all the way back to when he first got here and you know walked into the wrong house looking for Byron Leftwich? Does he really want to do that? Or does he want to continue to build, right? Because, look, I mean, the offense was a lot better, even with all the injuries, the second year than it was the first. And he was better. And, you know, it just makes so much sense that you would stay in a place you love to live with with teammates that you've grown personally, have personal relationships with and like playing for and with. And then I think the relationship with Jason Light is big. And probably B.A. too, but certainly Jason, who was in New England, you know, um, as a scout when they drafted, when the Patriots drafted Brady in 2000 and, as he said the other night, he saw his first pass in the NFL and he saw his last one, supposedly. Which, by the way, we still haven't heard from the people that caught that ball. I did get a text, an email 
from a guy who was sitting just like you said, like three people over. I'm like, oh, that's got to be gulling um, that the ball came sailing up there and you didn't get it and you were that close. But um, if you have the ball, give us a call or check us out on Sports Day Tampa Bay. But, you know, I, I, I really do. I truly believe now that if, 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 if Brady were to decide to come back, that it would just be in Tampa and no and nowhere else. And maybe I'm giving maybe I'm giving the Bucks too much credit for their belief that that would happen, perhaps, uh, because who the hell knows what Tom is really thinking. But all those arguments make a lot of sense to me. You know that yeah, you know he he certainly wouldn't commit himself to two more years. I mean, he could, but more realistic that he would play one season until he's forty five and then let it go. Um. And then the salary cap, you know, they'd be paying that salary cap money, that dead money, whether he plays or not. Um, so he can come back and play, you know, with it only counting $8 million against the cap this next year. So it's not a cost thing, right? By the same token, they're going to wait till after June 1st anyway. So it's tough to trade a guy. You know, by June 1st, I think most teams probably know what they're doing at quarterback. I mean, you could argue that the 49ers are going to trade Garoppolo and maybe they would welcome him for another year before Trey Lance is ready. But most teams are going to have moved on, including this one. Including this one. That's after the draft. That's after free agency. You're going to want guys in here for OTAs. If you have a new quarterback, you're going to want them here for the mandatory mini camps in June. And you sure as hell are going to want them here for the start of training camp. So, the Bucks will have moved on, um, and maybe the Bucks just, and I'm not saying they do this because of Brady, but maybe they just stay with Blaine Gabbert as the backup and let him be the bridge quarterback to Kyle Trask when he develops, you know? And in that instance, you could bring Brady back. I don't think they do it for that reason. I think there's a likelihood that it ends up that way just because everything else we've talked about is remote. So what do you think? Does it sound does it sound like truth now, Steve? Does it sound like you're finally getting the facts here or not? I think the facts are we have no clue. <laughs> Great. <laughs> when I spend twenty minutes laying out well, what I believe is the truth. <laughs> we have Yes, me I don't have the faintest idea, okay? I mean will Gile- Maybe he was will, an early riser. Will Giselle let him play in the fall? I I don't know how any of I don't even know that Tom knows that right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. let's be honest that's what I'm saying there's question there's questions I don't ask my wife not not because not because I don't know the answer but because I don't want to hear it yet <laughs> you know what I'm saying like I know what the answer is to most of the questions I ask her and I know if I want to put my foot down hard enough we're going to have an argument about it and if it's something I know I'm going to do and I really am strongly willed about doing it, I'm still waiting to the last minute because why do I have to listen to it for three months when I can listen to it for two, three minutes, right? Aren't we all like that? You know, mm-hmm. you kind of know what the answer is and you're like, oh, I'm going to do it anyway, but I'm going to take crap for it, so I'm going to wait until the last minute. I don't know. I don't know the relationship. I It does sound to me like she's had enough, that she thinks he should have had enough. But, you know, he could also drive her crazy for six months and she goes, please go play football. Mm-hmm. Please, for the love of God, give it another year or two until you get all this out of you. You're not going to be happy until, you know, they tear up your arm or your shoulder and you can't play. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know what Giselle. I, it seems to me she wants dad home. It really does. And I think he wants to do other things. But you know what? This is always the funny thing about, and, and listen, the commitment he makes is different than most players and certainly different than most quarterbacks. And I don't know, like, for example, is he going to stay on the TB12 diet? Is he going to do all those things to keep? He might because obviously his products, right, rely on good nutrition. I don't think he's going to suddenly, you know, nothing against McDonald's folks, but he ain't going to getting Big Macs every day. Um, and so I think he'll he'll stay in relatively good shape because he likes to be an athlete. That's what us that's what us athletes do, Steve. <laughs> I don't know if you see me lately. I could drop a few, but I'm just saying. Um, and so I think, I think he'll, but here's, here's what I don't know. And this is important. Is he going to throw the football? You know, like he's had a regimen of throwing the football in the off season, making a lot of throws. That's what he loves to do. And you say, well, he can't forget how to throw the, no, he won't forget how to, but part of his, you know, part of everything still moving well is that he's he's never stopped moving it right so mm-hmm. you know he throws a lot of footballs in the off season and and that keeps him his arm loose it keeps it fresh he does a lot of rehab on it um he gets the plyometrics he gets the stretching from guerrero you know is guerrero making that commitment with him like you know at some point he won't have the same routine you know unless he decides fairly quickly that he's playing again so under that circumstance would that would that make it more difficult? Maybe have less success. Like you've been doing one thing in the off season for years and years, and now you're kind of not going to throw or not going to be doing the same things, getting guys together in Montana, and and but then you're going to come out of retirement and say, "I'm ready." You know, let's go. Eh, I, I for the sacrifices that Tom makes, I don't know that you have six months. I I don't. Could he do it? Yeah, he could do it. He could absolutely do it. He could get himself, you know, at a pretty good clip as much as long as he has played as many years. I I, I believe he could wake up and make it rain if he wanted to. Um, that's how good he is. But I'm not sure that's how he'd want to do it. I'm not sure he'd be confident to to stray too far away from what was his preparation for a season. He's not getting prepared for a season, as far as we know. Now, if you start hearing about him grabbing a bunch of guys and throwing every day, that might raise some flags. So I don't know if he's going to be in the kind of shape he needs to be in to play. Um, we'll see. Those are all – but guys guys change their minds, mm-hmm. you know. They do. They change their minds about, about stuff like this. And the one thing that I think is going to eat him alive, and he has said it. He said it in the Sports Illustrated uh, article when – he won Sports Person of the Year. It's going to be sitting home on Sunday, right? Or just the, you know, just imagining doing this. Like, forget about doing it, but just mm-hmm. him just imagining sitting home somewhere, watching an NFL game or seeing an NFL game and realizing I'm better than all these dudes. Like, right now I could mm-hmm. go out and I could play better than everybody on this field at quarterback. Like, there's, you know... Okay, maybe I'll give you Mahomes, but not really. He's not taking a back seat to Mahomes. He's not taking a back seat to Josh Allen. They do it a different way. You know, if Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl, okay, maybe, but that's one, right? 
Like Tom Brady just led the league in passing, just led the league in touchdowns, just led the league in completions, just did that. So he's not going to find a quarterback that's better than him when he watches it on on the couch. It's going to drive him mad, especially because he can still do it, and he knows he can still do it. He knows he still has the arm strength. He knows he still has the production. Hell, he would be better next year than he was last year, in my opinion. And what are the odds that they would get that many injuries again? So I don't know. You know, I think I think there's a reason he said you never say never, because I don't. I don't think he he truly knows how he's going to feel in six months. You know, and like we said, he he's been around Michael Jordan. The, that guy came back several times. I mean, you know, Tiger Woods we thought was was done. <laughs> you know, and and he was a guy that was you know critically injured, and he might still come back and play again. So that's kind of the category those guys are in, and um, you know, but we'll see. But I. Anyway, the the best information I have, the best information I have is that if he does play, the Bucks certainly expect it will be for them, and he will go on the reserve retirement list. One of the best events in the spring, the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, presented by RP Funding, is this February 25th through the 27th, and we're joined now by Kevin Savary, the co-owner of the Grand Prix. It's 10 races, I guess, uh, six different racing series uh, that you have uh, throughout the entire weekend. You know, uh, and you know this uh, very well because you've been coming here for so many years, of course, with this race, um, Kevin, that this area has changed. I mean, St. Petersburg itself, you have a resident community now that has grown. You have, I mean, I'm sure you see as you, as you're challenged to, to lay the racetrack out every year, but I'm sure you've seen the growth of St. Pete. What do you make of that? Yeah, you know, uh, I have I have this saying that I that I always talk about. I call it between the fives. So mm. the race started in 2005, and then you look at the growth between uh, 375, 175, and 275, and it it's just literally a transformation. And uh, you know, not that the not that the race uh, deserves any credit for that, but I I do believe that that for sure our race has been literally a, a three hour annual chamber of commerce commercial for the Absolutely. city of St. Petersburg and the Tampa Bay area that, you know, not only goes throughout the U S and North America, but around the world. And, and, um, you know, again, it, the, the race always showcases so well on television and, and, um, you know, it's, it's been one of the most watched non Indy 500 IndyCar races, you know, every year. So, uh, lots of eyeballs will be focused that day on on uh, St. Pete and the the great views of the bays and and obviously you know literally a, a beautiful downtown. So obviously just very very proud of that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another big happening on uh, Wednesday was uh, 
Roger Goodell and his state of the NFL address at the Super Bowl. This is always, you know, must see TV for me and and for people that like to kind of delve into the inner workings of uh, the NFL and its commissioner's mind. And oh my, oh my, did they have a few things to ask him? Um, you may have noticed this is not the uh, the greatest time for uh, for the commissioner uh, and and for the league in general because of. You know, the Brian Flores situation, sort of the lawsuits, uh, that ha- the lawsuit that has been filed, um, you know, uh, certainly the lack of diversity that they have, um, you know, in the league with respect to head coaches, head coaching. So there's a lot to talk about. And, and not surprisingly, what dominated the conversation was really um, what you would expect. It, it was about the, the hiring and, and, and the lack of diversity, and lack of progress with respect to minority and, and head coaches. And the very, the very thing that Brian Flores uh, filed the suit about. And, you know, just, I mean, short of Goodell simply saying, yeah, we got to do a better. I mean, I'll sum, I'll sum up the entire, whatever it was, 90 minute press conference. I don't know. But basically it was this. You know what? We're not doing good enough. We got to do better. We all recognize that we're an inclusive league. We're at our best when we're inclusive. We, you know what? Those numbers are bad. They're terrible. We got to do better. And that's really Goodell's role, right? Deflect, you know, sort of the blame. It, it clearly falls on the owners, but he works for the owners, he represents all of them. And so he takes kind of the shrapnel for them, if you will. Uh, and he just couldn't offer any solution. You know, we're going to study everything. Everything's on the table. It's on the table. Everything's on the table. What's on the table? Everything's on the table. We will consider everything. You know, and he's asked about getting more or getting a single African-American owner, which is something that might happen with the Denver Broncos sale, although the Broncos are in charge of that. So there was a lot of... Kind of a lot of, yeah, you're right. You got us. Yeah, we talk about it every year. You know what? We talk about this more than we talk about anything else. But nothing ever happens. And so that's kind of what it was. But I want to give it just a quick shout out to my colleague uh, and friend, Jim Trotter, who works for NFL.com. Listen to me now. Jim used to work for ESPN. He works for NFL Media. He His check... Whenever it comes, once a week, one twice a week, whatever, once a month, it's it has the shield on it. Okay, it is the national. The thirty-two owners are funding the NFL Network. Right, they created it; it's their baby, and so they have something to do with the hiring as well. Jim Trotter gets up there, and what I loved about you know Jim is that he brought receipts, and he was like, "Hey, um, Commissioner, I'm going to ask you about." you know, uh, the lack of diversity in the NFL, not just in his coaching, but in the entire NFL. And he started out by talking about, you know, before I give you my question, I got to present some context here. And this is where he brought the receipts. And he says, the NFL has been playing for 104 years or whatever it is. And here are the teams who have never hired a minority coach. And he started listing them and it was a whole bunch. 
And he wanted to call out names, and he did. Uh, and then he said, and here are the number of front office you know, people in decision-making roles, general managers and the like, over the last hundred and something years, you know, that are minorities, et cetera. And so he went through that. And then he went all the way to the operation that he works for, which is NFL media. And he goes, look, I work for NFL media. And in the editorial side, there is no minorities with decision-making, um, you know, jobs. So it was remarkable that, that he brought all that out. And then, then he asked the question about, you know, doing better and who's responsible and, and so on and so forth. And essentially Goodell said, you know what, you got us. You know, we, we have to do better in all areas. But I just give credit for Jim because, I mean, for a guy who works for the NFL and NFL media in particular to come with numbers, to come with evidence, to, you know, uh, to stand up there as a minority himself, an issue that's obviously very important to him. Um, I thought it was just well done. And I just, I've always had a lot of respect for him. I don't know that I could have more now. Um, but a lot of people made mention of it on Twitter and whatnot. And I just wanted to, to bring that out. All right. I think I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this for a while. Cause in a way I think we buried the lead on today's podcast, but let me just say this. It's going to be one of those things where, where were you when you heard type situation? Like, I will always remember where I was when I heard that the Montreal Canadiens have a new coach, and it's Marty St. Louis. Marty St. Louis? St. Louis! Oh, my goodness. Where did that fall out of the sky? Did anybody even know he wanted to be an NHL head coach? Is he coaching anything besides his son's teams? Well, if you remember a few seasons ago, he was the uh, special teams, uh, I don't know, consultant. He wasn't officially a coach, but the Blue Jackets brought him in. Tortorella did. Tor- Torts did, yes. Yeah, to help coach their special teams. So, I yes. mean, he was doing some coaching there. Yes. And, and maybe that started the bug. I mean, he's coaching his kids and stuff, too. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the Canadians are off to a horrendous start this NHL season. Uh, yeah. like historically bad. Uh, 45 games in, I think they have eight wins. Mm. I mean, that is awful. Mm. Um, they fired their coach. And this was last year they were in the Stanley Cup final. I know. This team beat them. <laughs> yeah. Now, Carey Price isn't playing this year. Right. As of now, he's been on personal leave. Shea Weber has probably ended his career with injuries. Mm-hmm. Um. Philip Deneau's not there. There's, I mean, there's a lot of changes they had there. Well, the Lightning took one of their best players yeah. as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Corey Perry's here. And so Dominic Ducharme got fired. But, yeah, when all of a sudden it said, wait, who's the interim head coach? And it's an interim <laughs> head coach. But yeah. Marty St. Louis coaching another division rival of the Lightning. I mean, I'm, just, I'm thrilled for La Habitants and the Canadians – and I don't know if the team is that bad. Like, usually talent has much to do with that, if not most. Um, so I don't know I don't know what, what difference he can make because he's not going to get a whole bunch of new players necessarily unless that's in the cards too. Um, however, there's no way, in my mind, being coached by Marty St. Louis won't make you a better player. <laughs> it's just, I mean, 
for all that that guy represented as a player and the knowledge that he has about the game itself um and 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 the various you know vantage points he's had um to be able to relate that to whoever's in front of him uh wearing wearing the you know wearing the colors i mean it's going to to me it's to me it's going to be great I, and again it may not make a whole hell of a lot of difference in wins and losses this year i don't know but I will grant you they will be a much better team at the end of the year with Marty there than they were through the first half. And I think this is cool as hell. And even even cooler, Steve, is, and I don't know if you saw this, I guess a number of years ago, one of the Channel 8, one of them, uh, did a story about Marty and going back to his roots and all that. And they went to his childhood home. And in that home, there's a drawing that he had made when he was a young kid of himself uh, and it's a very, you know, very rough drawing of a child, uh, a child's drawing, basically, of himself as a Montreal Canadian, skating, you know, for mm-hmm. for the habitants and and scoring goals, and there's a whole, you know, kind of a game shot and the whole thing. That's really cool to me. Like he is, he is with the team that he dreamed about playing for, and now he's coaching them. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, you see that in sport, in hockey, particularly John Tavares when he left the Islanders, went mm-hmm. back to Toronto Maple Leafs, and then you know he put a picture on social media of him at like seven or eight years old, sleeping yeah. under a Maple Leafs comforter in his bedroom that had Maple Leafs posters up and stuff. That's so um, cool. You know, you get to see, you know, we've been talking for a week now, Tom Brady potentially mm-hmm. wanting to play in San Francisco. We know he wanted to two years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's filling that childhood dream. Well, Marty St. Louis is getting to coach the Montreal Canadiens, at least on an interim basis as of now. Yeah. No, I just think it's I, I think it's great. And, and, you know, in the division, out of the division, it really doesn't matter. I, I, I think Marty's great for hockey, and um, I, I guess the only downside would be that he may not be able to coach as many games with his sons, but, you know, they'll also be, uh, they'll also be a big part of the Canadian family. Uh, which won't hurt them at all uh, with their with their Hall of Fame father. So that's really neat, and I, I hope he I hope he stays at it, and I hope he does well. Uh, just finally, a reminder: the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, presented by RP Funding, is happening this February 25th through the 27th. If you want some information uh, for the race or some ticket information, go to gpsaintpete.com. That's gpsaintpete.com. We're going to preview. Super Bowl 56 from Los Angeles, California. We won't be there, but that's where the game's being played at SoFi Stadium between Steve Versnick's Cincinnati Bengals and my, no, it's not my, and the Los Angeles Rams, which I think is going to be a terrific Super Bowl or a blowout, but definitely one of the two. Well, way to go out on a limb there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) But we'll most likely a blowout. That's the way they go. Um, and the reason it'll be a blowout quite simply is I'm not there writing the game story live. So that's, there you go. If, if I were there, although I can't say that about last year's game, it was 31 to nine. So I kind of got a break there, but many of the Super Bowls have been close and, and this one might be too, but I had a chance to talk with, uh, Matt Gay this week, had a ch- chance to talk to, uh, the Bengals kicker, uh, McPherson, um, listened and, uh, you know, intently to Matthew Stafford and Joe Burrow. And, you know, so we'll, we'll break down. We'll give you our thoughts about the matchup, about how it's going to go, who we like in the game, all of that, your Super Bowl 
56 preview is on tomorrow's podcast. Don't miss it. Wake the kids. Call the neighbors. It's going to be terrific. So for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 